As of this month, 400,000 British Columbians who have type 2 diabetes have better access to Ozempic, a drug that lowers uh, blood sugar levels and can, and can reduce body weight after Pharmacare extended the coverage of the drug earlier this month. Now, the semi-glutide injection has been um, moved forward from a third-line treatment to a second-line one, meaning type 2 di- diabetes patients uh, will still need to try and fail at a first-line treatment to qualify for coverage. One-shot costs around $200 and can last up to six weeks uh, depending on a person's dosage. Now, the Ministry of Health has said the expanded coverage only applies to type 2 diabetes patients, not for weight loss hopefuls. Uh, now, as more and more people have been hearing about the side effects of the weight loss, some doctors in the U.S. have been prescribing the drug as an off-label, uh, for off-label use. That's the unapproved use of an approved drug for weight loss in those without diabetes. Now, Ozempic has not been approved by the FDA as a weight loss drug, but it has been described as a Hollywood's worst kept secret. It's become increasingly popular due to its weight loss results, hyped even by billionaire Elon Musk, uh, even uh, social media uh, darlings like Kim Kardashian and uh, Hollywood actors like Mindy Kaling, who said she lost 65 pounds. Um, it is leading to people wanting to try Ozempic, not for the core issue, which is diabetes, but also, but mostly for the weight loss. It's causing a shortage, even though it's really meant with uh, meant for use in patients with type 2 diabetes. Joining me now is Dr. Brendan Narang. He's a family physician and Global News CKNW medical contributor. Dr. Narang, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Good afternoon, Jess. Uh, before we get to the issue of weight loss, how effective is Ozempic uh, to deal with the specific issue of type 2 diabetes? How effective is it? It, it's a good medication definitely to help with um, um, uh, diabetes control. We don't use it as a first-line treatment for diabetes. Um, first-line is always looking at our lifestyle measures. Um, are we uh, controlling the amount of sugars and um, carbohydrates we're putting into our body? Are we exercising enough? And there's metformin. There used to be other medications which we had to use second-line to get coverage, uh, but recently, um, in the past few weeks, um, semaglutide, which is Ozempic, has now gotten approved um, as a second-line treatment, so it should give uh, more access to patients where it can ben- help um, them benefit. So in the vast majority of people that do take Ozempic, obviously, are, dealing, are, are taking it for diabetes, but 80% of those, to my understanding, are also people living uh, that deal with the issue of being overweight, so it helps in that context as well. Yeah, so um, being overweight goes hand in hand with having type 2 diabetes. Um, the more extra weight we have on, um, the ex- the harder it becomes um, for our insulin to work effectively, effectively on our body. And so our pancreas puts up more insulin um, to try to get it to work better. And then insulin itself makes us put on weight. And so it can you can get into a very vicious cycle. And so that's why, um, although Ozempic primarily was studied um, as a diabetes medication, there has been evidence of it being helpful for uh, weight loss as well. And the drug named semaglutide now has two products, one which is Ozempic for diabetes, one which is a Wegovi, which is specifically for uh, weight loss. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously with this issue of Ozempic and weight loss, uh, some doctors in the U.S. have been prescribing uh, it for off-label use, which, off-label use, which is, I guess, the which is the unapproved use of an approved drug. Uh, how concerned should we? Because in the United States, my understanding is there is a shortage of Ozempic uh, for those dealing with diabetes because people have now figured out, look, it's good for weight loss. How, how concerned should we be here in British Columbia in regards to that? 
Yeah, so there are multiple levels of why I would be concerned about this. One, why it has it gotten um, so popular so quickly is because it's an internet trend, a TikTok trend specifically. Um, and so I think anything that becomes a trend, we need to make sure uh, does that reflect uh, what the evidence shows? And is that the most appropriate use of it? Also knowing their scarcity of resources. So the shortage um, has definitely been there in the States. It's also been in Australia where I think they said they weren't going to get any more for six months. And that has put worldwide pressures um, on the manufacturer um, to actually um, um, in, uh, increase production. And so in, here in BC, um, while it, we haven't been faced with a shortage from what I understand, we know that there have been people um, coming up from America um, to fill those prescriptions here, which then may have <coughs> an impact on our patients who do need it for their diabetes care. So I think what we need to look at is that while um, it may be uh, uh, have benefit for this uh, weight loss part of it, um, mm -hmm. that is not the primary use for it. Um, so uh, as anything, if it is something you're interested in, you should be speaking with your physician, nurse practitioner um, to see one, um, is it affordable for you? Is it useful for you? And are the side effects tolerable for you before you um, kind of convince yourself based on what you see on TikTok that it's the best solution for you? Is that what you would tell your patients if they came in? Look, they're going to see things on social media and say, look, uh, I've heard that Elon Musk is using it. Uh, he said that on Twitter that he is, he's using it as part of uh, his weight loss uh, regimen. Uh, comedians like Mindy Kaling, I think, have said on online that they've lost 60 pounds. I think the Kardashians are also being mentioned. But if one of your patients was coming into your office saying, look, I've heard all of this, uh, I'm struggling with weight loss, and they may not have diabetes, what would you tell them? What kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that um, part of it is uh, we, whenever we see someone um, doing something on social media, um, we need to look back, okay, is this something that's sustainable too? So um, uh, with the medications for um, a lot of these uh, um, weight loss medications, they um, the results that are touted are usually kind of some of them are 68 weeks, some of them are 72 weeks. Usually they're within one and a half to two years. Um, there's a lot of things that can help people lose weight within that one and a half to two year benchmark. But historically, um, it, it doesn't go beyond that or to keep it going, you need to stay on it. So I think what we need to look at, yeah, it could help right now if the cost is there and it's safe. Sure, we can look into it as a reasonable option, but we should be also looking at what else, like we talked about the foundationals for weight loss. There's a lot of other parts of it. What's your relationship to food? Um, what is your activity? What is your stress? What is your sleep like? And how much uh, water are you taking? And those are all fundamental things that I would look at before jumping to a medication. And then I'd be looking at, okay, are there changes we can make in your day-to-day -day life that might help you? And what is the goal? Um, because the goal should be independent of the, the you know, X amount of weight lost, um, whatever that might be for a patient. It should be, are we living a lifestyle that conducive to us having um, a, a healthier life going forward? And that might be independent of the number on the scale. Mm -hmm. Dr. Narang, thank you so much. I was just fascinated uh, seeing so many articles, but also this sort of popping up on social media. And when you hear of celebrities, uh, even the Variety magazine, which, you know, covers Hollywood. But I, I saw an article the other day said Hollywood's worst kept secret. And it's Ozempic, which Ozempic, sorry. And I didn't realize, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it had gotten that yeah. further and deeper into pop culture. And it's quite fascinating, really. Yeah, and thanks for having me. Happy to talk about it. And one thing just so we should live, it's, it's a weekly injection. So yep. these people might be committing themselves to an injection every week for, you know, the rest of their lives.
And so that's another consideration. We have to look long term. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, with what you're saying, uh, you know, you, these fads come along and as you say, uh, you need an injection once a week and you need to continue doing it for a very, very long time when in that very same period, you can be eating better, you could be exercising, you have to make lifestyle choices, which are tougher uh, and uh, more difficult for folks sometimes. Uh, but you can do a lot of the same things without having to, to rely on an expensive in- injection once a week. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't need to be mutually exclusive. Some people will be doing all the right things, and I think it's important to recognize that people are also, by the time they look at these, um, they have, they've tried things. They've, they've looked at what they can do, um, and they're trying their hardest. But for some people, there is... Um, and this is like what the newer learning about obesity is, that there is a, a hormonal um, and neurological um, component to it where your body is also set at a certain way. And it's going to tell you um, um, to keep staying at that. So it's going to tell your body that it wants to be set at that. So these medications absolutely have a role, but we want to make sure it's being guided by someone who has specialty in um, obesity and weight loss to make sure that we're not missing the foundational fundamental pieces before getting to that step. Dr. Narang, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. No worries. Take care. Have a great day.